Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Well, it's time for another episode of Two Dudes in a Kitchen. It's Wells Adams and Tyler Florence hanging out with you. Tyler, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to do this episode today because, I mean, obviously we talk a lot about cooking, but we don't talk a whole lot about baking. And today's guest is a baker aficionado. I mean, the things that this guy makes in the kitchen on TV is ridiculous. So I'm excited to like get into the world of baking. But my question is for you, like, are you a baker or are you just mainly a chef? Well, I, I got to tell you, our guest today, Robert Lucas, this guy is something else. If, if you follow him on uh, Instagram or YouTube or on TikTok, his cakes are works of art. And the wild thing about his story and that I'm dying to find out mm-hmm. is that he's self-taught. This guy taught himself everything, which is wild because like when I grew up, you know, learning how to bake meant you went to culinary school, you took a pastry program for two years, you worked with a bunch of like very famous chefs and kind of worked your way up. But this guy kind of found his, his zone really quickly in the cake space and then jumped to the television right away. And the stats are impressive, but answer your question. Like I, I, I love desserts. I think I make really good desserts. I think I have such a, a good talented team at this point that I kind of like take my creativity and kind of hand it off to them and they finish it. So I dream it up and they get a chance to bake it and sample it. But I'm always learning something every day from our team. And especially Carla Morrow, who is our pastry chef at Miller and Lux. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had her desserts before. They're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Right. And, and so like, I, I, I just, I'm passionate about the space. I, I, I think it's the most elegant and creative way to finish a spectacular meal with something that's not just necessarily uh, uh, sweet, but something that's like death defined. Like, how did you do that? Like, how did you get all of those ingredients into this like crazy shape? And so uh, Carlos desserts are what we uh, describe as like a a petite gateau. It's a small mini cake really in more like the patisserie style. Um, But she'll, she'll make crazy things. It's like a mango, they kind of look just like a mango, but then you kind of cut into it. It's like white chocolate with like mango compote in the middle. And it's just sort of breathtaking, like her, her strawberry, her cherry, her, her green apple. I mean, she's very famous for, and very, and, and if you haven't had a chance to follow her on Instagram, um, she, Carla Morrow, um, she is just, just incredible. So I'm looking forward to talk to, to, uh, Robert Lucas today, uh, because his work is up there. I mean, his, his cakes are just so incredibly beautiful. One thing that you say a lot when we go out and eat together, but also when we're doing the show, is that you eat with your eyes as well as with your mouth and your t- tongue and all that kind of stuff and your nose. Um, I feel like that's that's so very, very true when it comes to the world of baking, especially with like the things that Robert Lucas does. Um, and that is is like make these almost like incredible works of art. And I would imagine that the taste is more important than the visual aspect, but is there some convergence where like one is almost as important as the other when it comes to baking? I think that'll be a great question for him too. So like mm-hmm. if you take a look at his, his, um, his cakes, 
And then he, his uh, email address, oh no, his web address is thesweetimpact.com. Mm-hmm. If you go into cake designs, and I'm kind of looking at it right now, like they're all just like spectacular uh, conceptual works of art. Like there's one that's like Pikachu that looks just like Pikachu. Yeah. Uh, there's one that looks like a vampire. There's one that looks like, you know, he does a, a really, really great uh, Halloween stuff. He's got one that looks like a big stack of pancakes, which is kind of fun. And so I, 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 he's got one that looks like an Eggo toaster. I think he partners up with a lot of people. There's like an Uber Eats bag, for example. I think he does a lot of this kind of stuff, which feels fun. And I think when you get into it, I think this will be great. Like, how do you construct that? I, I'm sure it's it's a Genois cake, right, which is like a really kind of super soft sponge. And then I, I think he's got like a probably a perfect buttercream recipe that he's like mastered that he can sort of flavor a bunch of different ways and really start thinking about um, the the fondant, which is the which is kind of like the rolled application on the outside because they are coated and then they're kind of sculpted. So when you see, you know, is it cake kind of cakes? you know, that you can't tell if it's a cake or something else. They usually have this like fondant coating on the outside. And some people like it. Some people don't. I think it's really nice. It's got a, you know, it has like an almond uh, marzipan kind of finish to it. It smells like almond, almond extract. It's got a nice sort of chewy finish that plus the cake plus the buttercream. I think it's a really, really delicious combination. And I got to tell you, and I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, like you you guys have Safeway down in Los Angeles. You know what I'm talking about, right? Have you ever had their like, their deli cake, their deli so. birthday cake. Is it good? It's crazy good. Like if you just go into like Safeway and then buy one of the cakes that they messed up, it says like happy birthday, Debbie and Debbie never picked it up. Yeah. Um, but if you just want like a cake, that's just spectacularly delicious. That is like old school. They'll take you back to like your fifth grade birthday party. That's great with ice cream. Yeah. Like Safeway kills it. I think that their, their cake is so incredibly delicious. And it's, it's like, it's like sponge cake and buttercream with like sprinkles on top of it. But like those two things in combination when they're really great, it's delicious. When it comes to like desserts, my problem is, is that I feel like I never save enough room for it. Whereas my wife always saves enough room for it. Is that something that you are like actively thinking about when you go to a nice restaurant? You're like, no matter what, I want to try something. So I need to like hold back a little bit with the entrees so I can really enjoy this amazing, um, you know, marzipan or whatever, whatever it is that they're, that they are known for. Is that something that you do? Well, I, I think you're either a dessert person or you're not right. Not, I mean, at, at, listen, at the end of the day, I, to be honest with you, I'm not a big dessert person. Right. Okay. And so I I'm, I'm definitely pig over cake. Yeah. If you had to go pig over cake, what, what would you, what would you take? I'm a hundred percent not a dessert person. I'm right there with you. I'm also a very, I'm savory, not sweet. Like I don't crave sweet things like my wife does at the end of a meal. I don't, I don't either. But l- listen, if you're a chocolate person and you yeah. know who you are, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think our guest today is going to be a lot of fun to talk to because he's all about desserts. And and so, I, and I think from a restaurant perspective, you definitely want to make sure the desserts are worth waiting for. Yeah. They can't be boring. It can't just be like sort of an afterthought where you've got like a limited menu or even if it is limited, which is cool, they need to be spectacular. And so, and it doesn't even have to be complicated. I always say this just like restaurant tours. Like if you, if you need to kind of sculpt something, listen, in a restaurant, you need three flavor profiles. You got to have chocolate, lemon, and fruit. So if you have three different sort of flavor profiles to start to kind of build your pastry program around, that's where you start. And I think they need to be compelling and, and I think, uh, in, and they're either shareable. So they're slightly oversized and fun mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe five bites and you're done. Yeah. Right. I don't think they can be ridiculously big. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like, here's the thing. I'm always like, I don't need any dessert. And then my wife will order it and then six spoons will come. And I'll be like, well, I, I have to try it now. Well, know? now I got to, now I got to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I need to lick the bowl. But I think this is an interesting thing, too, because I got a lot of hate for my opinion of my favorite dessert when I was doing my show Best in Dokes. We did like a dessert episode. What is your favorite dessert? Gosh, my favorite cake flavor is like lemon and blueberry. Okay. That's probably my favorite like dessert combination is like lemon and blueberry specifically. I, 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 and then chocolate is kind of back there. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I like strawberry rhubarb. Pie over cake. What do you like? Pie over cake. To answer the question that I asked you, for me, my favorite dessert 
hands down, no matter what, is vanilla bean ice cream. Like I just love it. So I love vanilla end, bean ice cream. I and I and like anytime we're at dinner and my wife wants to order something, she'll always order the thing that might have vanilla bean ice cream on it because she knows that I love it. But to answer your question, there is nothing quite as good as an apple pie with mm-hmm. some vanilla bean ice cream on top. So it sounds like you're pie over cake. Yes, I am pie over cake. Yeah, yeah. And and so so the, and the reason I want to bring that up, because I, I think it's really interesting because you, you can go with pie, you can really kind of take it anywhere, right? Especially mm-hmm. coming up like now and like summer's yes. pie season. But I would think the fall is really pie season. Oh, yeah. Right. You start getting like apple and walnut and then uh, chocolate pecan. Pecan. Oof. Yeah, like bourbon chocolate pecan, mm. slightly warm, a little gooey in the middle. Oh, yeah. With like a little kind of sharp vanilla bourbon thing in, in the finish. Uh, nice crunchy pecans, scoop of vanilla bean ice cream. I don't think there's a dessert that takes you where you want to go. Kind of like that. I love cake. I'm definitely pie over cake because I like fruit more than I like chocolate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, there's the, I'm really excited about the season coming up. So I think fall is my favorite time to cook hands down. But once you kind of start getting desserts and that kind of stuff, there's like so many more things that you can really kind of choose from like apple pumpkin pie, bro. You like pumpkin pie? My, okay. So my wife, Sarah, she goes to the store and buys three pumpkin pies and just eats them by herself. So I never even get to eat it, but I do love pumpkin pie, but there's nothing quite as amazing as seeing a woman just start in the middle of a pumpkin pie and work their way out and just go for it. Just like watching, yeah. you know, the bachelor just eating a whole pie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's how you do it. So um, are you a big pumpkin pie guy? I love pumpkin pie. I, I like yeah. pumpkin pie. Like we actually made this pie last year and um, we, we did a couple of dry runs on it and it, it's a pumpkin apple pie. Cause why choose? Yeah. So we did this like uh pumpkin, um, like really, really nice, um, uh, shortbread crust on the outside, or like not, not it wasn't shortbread. It was like more like what they call paprizé, right? Yeah. So, so like it's like a pie crust, but like crispy pie crust, right? And on the bottom, it had an apple compote, and Ooh. then we baked that first uh, in a mixture of green apple and and golden delicious. And then it's got everything you want, right? It's got like a little bit of lemon. It's got some brown sugar. It's got a little bit of vanilla to it. A little uh, coriander, which I think is a really nice, elegant spice flavor for desserts. It kind of tastes like Fruit Loops if you close your eyes, which is nice. And then you bake that once and you take it out. And then you pour a pumpkin batter on top of that. And then you bake it again. So then when you cut into it, it's like beautiful, crispy pie crust, apple, Boom, and then pumpkin on top. That's slightly warm with a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream. Welcome to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm hungry, and right? now I'm excited to uh, talk to our guests. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, Robert Lucas, also known as the Sweet Impact, who's a self-taught cake artist and baker, which is crazy that he's self-taught. He's known for his uh, fantastical artistry, abstract designs, and modeling cakes after pop culture icons. He's also worked with top-tier brands like Disney, Amazon, Prime, Nabisco, Hulu, and so much more. And you probably recently saw him as one of the baking experts on Netflix, the big Nailed It Baking Challenge. The former IT pro turned self-top baker is going to be on Two Dudes in the Kitchen in just a couple minutes. This is an interview you do not want to miss. Stick around. We'll be right back. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. 
find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Sophia Bush, host of the podcast Work in Progress. I am thrilled to tell you that Work in Progress is back for a third season. My friends, it has never been more important than right now for us to have all of these big conversations. Together, we are going to get educated, a little bit enlightened, and we will definitely be entertained. I started work in progress because I'm a curious person and I realized there are so many people I get to speak to that are fascinating and rare. (laughs) And so I thought, why not take these conversations out into the world? I'm going to be having deep chats with thought leaders, newsmakers, celebrities, entertainers, authors, elected officials, and more. You can join us and listen to Work in Progress on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back to Two Dudes in the Kitchen. It's Wells Adams and Tyler Florence hanging out with you, and we're now bringing the third dude in the kitchen. It's Robert Lucas, known as the Sweet Impact. You might have seen him on Netflix as as one of the expert judges on the show, The Big Nailed It Baking Challenge. Robert, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Feeling good today. So we were talking about baking before uh, we brought you on. And one of my biggest questions I think I have for a baking expert like yourself is, you know, Tyler always talks about how you eat with your mouth, but you also eat with your eyes. And I feel like that's probably really, really important when it comes to baking. What is more important for you as a a master baker, (laughs) how it tastes or how it looks? Uh, it has to be a combination of both. But yeah. if I had to pick one, I'm more of a design guy. So I'm going to be going with how it looks. But nothing's more disappointed than seeing something that looks so good. And then you try it and all expectations just did not meet. So personally, I go for the look. It has to be both. Yeah. You, with, without a question. All right. So w- when you're building this stuff, because I, I think if you uh, I want everybody to go on the sweetimpact.com. And just click on cake designs and start taking a look at some of the stuff. Cause I, I think what you're building are really fun, conceptual, very like right now kind of cakes. Like the uniform, the unicorn cake is kind of cool. Uh, the, the bomb pop, um, uh, the minion cake, the little mermaid, all these like big, big conceptual cakes. I think are very like right now, very on brand and feel it like what everyone's kind of looking for. How do you construct these things, right? Because I I think if you're taking a look at that, like how do you make a cake look like a maple bourbon pancake stack? Like like start from that. Like tell me how you make that kind of stuff. It's Whenever I'm making something like that, it's always really dissecting like what an actual thing looks like. So like the is it cake, really trying to figure out what I can do to make something edible that uses like sugar paste or anything like that. So with the pancakes, I was like, this is this is fondant. And if I paint it, it'll look like pancakes. And it's just pieces of fondant wrapped around a cake and you wouldn't even know it. It's just really having to have a, a creative mind 
and being able to dissect something down to making it work for you. All right. So crack into that, right? So the cake and then there's buttercream in the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a regular stacked up cake. Um, just regularly stacked it up since it was maple. I made maple flavored cakes and then I made a bourbon bacon glaze on, uh, for the inside. So I just crumbled up the, the bacon into the cake layers so that you kind of got that full experience all the way throughout the cake. I want to ask, I've seen when you guys make these ridiculous cakes that look so freaking realistic is a lot of it has to do with like, it's addition by subtraction. You're, you're, you're having to carve this, uh, this thing out of cake. And I, I remember I, I heard this quote, I think it was Michelangelo who was like, um, the, you know, the angel was always in the piece of granite. I just had to set it free. Is that kind of how you feel when you're like, okay, uh, I need to set this minion out. Yeah, right. Yes, the the minion one was uh really fun to make, but that actually took me a really long time to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it took a couple of hours because after I stacked it up, you have to kind of carve it, but you have to trust the process. Like I really have to trust myself and say, okay, this is pretty good. I'm pretty sure I can get it even closer with this next step. So I add the chocolate ganache and I'm like, okay, this looks like the general shape. Now let's add the next part. And so it's always really focusing on it literally piece by piece, layer by layer, because at any moment I can make that look like a completely different thing than what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So Duff Goldman from Food Network, right? Um, the ace of cakes, right? Like re- really like uh, um, dear, dear friend of mine, um, kind of put this conceptual style of cake making on the map like 10 or 15 years ago now. And and he would describe himself as an artist first and a baker second. So is that how you would describe yourself? Like, because I think if you think about these things, um, th- this is not somebody who's going after like making just dessert. Like you really think about making a sculpture. Yeah. I, I always say that I'm a cake artist and then I say I'm a baker. It's always the, the artistry for me. That's kind of what made me even want to get started with it was the art of all of this. And it was like, but you have to know how to bake if you want to make a cake. So yeah. it's, to me, it's I, I do think of myself more as an artist too than a baker. Okay, then how did you how did you get down this road? Because we heard, you know, like looking through your background that you were like an IT professional. And yeah. that seems like a weird start starting point to get to where you are now. So kind of let's hear the Genesis story of this. Okay. Yeah, I agree that it does sound a little strange. So I <laughs> uh, went to, to school for information technology and I was doing that full time and I just had free time after working on the weekends. So I just happened to be scrolling through social media board one day and I saw a cake. I don't know why, but I was like, I bet I can make that. So <laughs> I, I tried to make it and I did a really good job with it. So I posted it online and you know, I got a lot of good feedback, likes and comments. So I was like, maybe I should keep doing it. And that's kind of just how it just randomly started. Have you always been a good graphic artist, like a good sort of sculptor or painter? No, I, I think I would say I always had a, an eye for design. Like I always knew when something looked nice, yeah, but sure. I never like tried to do anything with it. And I think with IT, I specifically did like wireless technology. So it's all, everything has to be exact for things to work properly. And I think I found freedom and the creativity to do cakes. And it was like two completely opposite things. Wow, um, so yeah, it, it just worked out for me. <laughs> That's amazing. When did you decide to say, okay, no more IT for me. I'm going full <laughs> into this thing that I did on a whim after looking at Instagram one day. Yeah. It's uh maybe it was like two years in, I uh, was making content like pretty much every day after work. Mm-hmm. literally getting like three, four hours of sleep, <laughs> like multiple days. And I was just like, okay, I have to pick one. And mm-hmm. I, I liked it, but I love the artistry of cakes. So I, I went after what I loved in the passion. That's amazing. I, I, I wonder though, you know, me growing up, I had both my parents teaching me how to cook and grill and, you know, it was a big thing in our family. I was the youngest of five kids. I'm wondering, did you grow up with um, with people in your in your household that were like big bakers? No, not bakers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my dad would like make a cake every now and then, but it wasn't like anything like what I do. <laughs> yeah, it was honestly, it's literally like on a whim. I just made a cake. Like I didn't really yeah, have inspiration from anything, and it wasn't um, until after I kind of started that I actually started watching like these 
bigger bakers, like you mentioned before, that that actually has done this for a long time. Because until then, I actually never looked at anything like that. Yeah. I, I you, you know, start thinking about this stuff. You know, if you had to break it down to somebody who's listening right now in their car and, and they, they love, you know, watching, you know, is it cake on Netflix or or your show that we definitely want to hear about. But they've got something coming up. Let's just say they got a birthday coming up and they, they want to make a nice birthday cake from scratch. Mm-hmm. Right. Like walk somebody through that. Like, cause I, I it's definitely something in, you know, cause my, my wife loves to, you know, bake birthday cakes, you know, cause we can definitely go pick one up at a store or someplace, but she likes that homemade touch of actually making yeah. a birthday cake from scratch. She makes my birthday cake every year. And we were talking about it earlier. It's like, it's lemon and blueberry. But if you had to coach somebody through making a really good, simple birthday cake from scratch, where would you start? Um, well, bacon is definitely a science. So I would say definitely understand what each ingredient does to your cake and to the batter. So everything is a basic cake is flour, salt, bacon powder. And as long as you understand what a bacon powder does to a cake and not to put too much in it so the cake doesn't explode in the oven, then that's how you're going to pretty much get a good basic, basic just vanilla cake, honestly, or any kind of extract you add to it. But I would say definitely you have to understand the science behind how these different things work because that's kind of where I started. What's one thing that you need in the kitchen that makes baking life so much easier? A stand mixer. Yeah. That's just (laughs) the simple thing is a stand mixer. The most expensive thing that you can buy in your kitchen (laughs) is the thing that you need. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't have a stand mixer in your kitchen, like because they're, they're, they have so many more practical purposes past making a cake, you got to get one. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so many things that you can do with it. And it, and it, honestly, it's going to save you so much time. The, the very first like couple cakes I made, I, I was like, I, I have to get a stand mixer or I can't keep doing this. It was just, it was too much. It was too time consuming to stand with a, a hand mixer when that could be, you know, that could be running while I was doing something else. So. That's the most important thing for me. Yeah. That's a really nice Christmas gift coming up too, right? And you've got like a nice like uh, KitchenAid commercial stand mixer. I do. I, oh, I have so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a collection over these. Over yeah, time. yeah, exactly. They, 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 and they do come in a lot of cool colors too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're talking about how, you know, it's an exact science. And once you realize that life becomes a lot easier. I'm wondering if like, is, is a scale something that's necessary when, when baking? Uh, yeah, yeah, a scale for me, because if you finally get a recipe, it's going to be so much faster. Uh, I always have a vanilla cake that I use and mm-hmm. I have a, I measured it out. So now every time it's time to go, I don't want to worry about one cup, just put it mm-hmm. on a scale. And then once the number hits, you know, you have it. I think yeah. the first time trying to level something out, it just takes so much time. Do it one time, write down the weight. So every time you now bake, it's so much faster. Yeah. And I'd like you to finish the recipe real fast. Okay, so we got flour, right? We got we got a little bit of uh, baking powder, and then we've got uh, we got some sugar and some salt. We got some dry ingredients, yeah. right? And then we got some wet ingredients too, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So typically, what I most likely do is uh, chiffon cakes, but basically that's just creaming uh, butter and sugar. And well, once I have that cream, I just add in the uh, the oil. If I add oil, usually it's just cream and, and butter. Cream that all together. And then I just add in the uh, the dry ingredients after that with milk. And then for a chiffon cake, make it fluffy. It's a little extra work, but I only use egg whites. And that's all I'm going to make sure I get a fluffy cake uh, instead of just actually adding all those yolks in, getting the cake a little dense. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say that's a nice trick to tell people if you want like a really nice soft cake to impress somebody, just use egg whites instead of actual uh, whole eggs. And um, yeah, just see what they say. <laughs> that's a good tip. I like that. All right. Yeah. So, okay, so, so you, you're, and you're going to bake this stuff off in like sheet trays and then, and then cut it, right? No, I, I don't I actually use rounded trays because uh, when I go into a cake, I already know the general shape of what something needs to be. So I know what pans I need to use. So it's rare that I use like a sheet, like just a rectangular sheet pan. And so then you start building up. Okay, so the, so we got the cake baked and cooled. And and so you put the batter together and then uh, at what temperature and how long do you want to bake it for? Oh, depends. Good starting part. Of course, everyone knows 350. <laughs> it's always like a good starting point for, for most cakes. Um, but it, everything is always, ovens are different. I always say get an oven thermometer. Um, because you'll be surprised, you know, what, <laughs> what happens when you put a cake in the oven and you think you're baking it at a certain temperature, especially with older ovens. 
Um, I always go at 350 and I don't even, I always tell people not even a specific time. Sometimes you just have to eye it and then make sure that you test it because a recipe could tell you keep it in there for 30 minutes. And for you, it could be 50 minutes or it could be less. It's just something that you want to eye until you figure out how your oven works and your recipe works. Right. And then you cake test it. Yeah. I always cake test with a, with a two pig. Yeah. Okay. And so what are you, what are you looking for? Yeah. When you do what that. that means when you cake test. Uh, I'm trying to see if, if I use a toothpick and it's just batter on it. I know it's wrong. And if I ever do it and it literally comes out clean, I know I just overbaked that cake. Um, but if I do it, it's like just a few crumbs just sticking to it. I was like, okay, this is great. Time to pull it out. Because the cake is going to keep baking in the hot pan even when I take it out. So if you take it out and it's completely clean, it's just going to keep heating up in that pan and overbaking. I think it's a real pro tip too, what you just said. Because if, if it comes out and there's batter on it, it's not finished yet. But if it comes yeah. out completely clean, it's overcooked. Yeah. Oh, that's a trip. So, so you're looking for a little crumb to come off with it. Yep. Yeah. Just a, just a little. And if I see that, I'm like, okay, it's time to take it out because it's going to rest in the pan for, for 10, 15 minutes before I even take it out the pan. I don't want to take it out too early because then that's going to mess with the structure of it. Yep. So while mm -hmm. it's in the pan still hot, it's going to continue to cook. All right. Then it cools down completely. Now let's talk about buttercream. Okay. Buttercream. I... Use I probably do one that's more difficult, which is Swiss meringue. The easy one to make is American buttercream. There's a lot of butter, a lot of powdered sugar, <laughs> and that's, and that's <laughs> the, the frosting. Uh, but that's that's the most American thing I've ever heard, yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest one probably to make, but it's also like not the best tasting one, and also not the best one to use whenever you want to like elaborately decorate a cake. Mm -hmm. um if you want to make a basic cake for like a birthday that'd probably be great it, that definitely wouldn't work for what i do so i use swiss so that's just basically making a meringue uh egg whites and sugar and then i add butter to it um and it's just it stays really smooth and it doesn't get a crust uh american buttercream with the powdered sugar once you I, uh, frost the cake like once it sits out in the air it's just going to get a crust to it you can touch it if it was dry it's like yeah it's not going to be <laughs> the, the best tasting cake Yep, and you can't get one speck of egg yolk in those whites, right? No, if if you have too much fat in the bowl or get the egg whites in there, the, the meringue just won't form. And then even when you add the butter, it's just going to be soupy, like it'll never actually firm. Yeah, and, and when you're making a Swiss meringue, it collapses and it builds back up again, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but once you start adding the butter into the meringue, you start to see it fall down. I think a lot of people kind of get discouraged. That's the panic like, moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it's <laughs> it, collapsing. What happened, right? Yeah, you think it's brewing, but you just keep letting the mix. Um, because the meringue is hot, sometimes when you do that and it deflates, you'd have to either take it off the mixer and put it in the fridge to let the butter kind of get back uh, solidified just a little bit more and then continue mixing. Or are you just going to have to let it run on that mixer for like 20, 30 minutes until everything comes together? And and it will come back, right? That, yeah, that's yeah, what I, if you're making Italian meringue or Swiss meringue. Yeah. And, and yeah, you start off with the meringue process. You've got egg whites and sugar and you yeah. got to whip those until they're nice and glossy. And then you start throwing in uh, cold butter or room temperature butter? Room temp. Room, room temperature room, butter, right? you, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be Using the hot meringue literally didn't let it cool down at all. You may can get away with the cold butter, yeah. but it's definitely best to go with the room temp. Okay. So then it's starting to whip together now. And this is like, like you just mentioned before, it's the patience moment because what will happen right in front of your eyes when you have this in the, in the, the mixer, it'll start to collapse and then it'll start to slowly firm back up again as the butter starts to solidify. Right. Yes. Then that's where this stuff is just magic. You can do anything with it and it'll hold up to anything. It's yeah. very smooth. You can smooth it out really, really well. Get real nice tight edges on, on a cake. If you want to kind of creep that like really kind of beautiful cylinder shape where it's flat on top and flat on the sides. Yeah. 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 And that one's as long as you cooked it, well, you didn't cook the meringue too much and you have like scrambled eggs, like it's going to be smooth, unlike the, the American buttercream where you may did not sift the powdered sugar. So then you got clumps in it. You're mm -hmm. pretty much going to have a smooth frosting with Swiss or Italian. How do you know when uh, the meringue is, is ready, is perfect? Um, so with Swiss, I tempted. So 165 to make sure food safety, it's, it's good. So I, once I get that number, I'm like, okay, it's good to go. Um, and then I'm constantly mixing it over the heat because if you don't, you're like, you're just going to cook them. Then you have the scrambled eggs and you <laughs> see these big clumps in the, the frosting and you know that you didn't do it right. You can always pull it out. It's not like you ruined it, but 
who wants egg, like solid eggs in the frosting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I always go with Swiss because Italian scares me uh, with the hot sugar <laughs> to be yeah. poured into it. So I rather go with Swiss. And, and, and quickly talk through the two, because I, I think when people are starting to look, they'll start Google searching these terms, yeah. you know, Swiss meringue, Italian meringue, French meringue versus mm. an American buttercream. Like quickly just kind of talk through those. So what, once like, people do find a good recipe, they know what they're looking for. Yeah. So, so yeah, with Swiss, you're making a meringue over a double boiler, just putting the egg whites with the sugar, mixing that all up until it gets a uh, safe temperature, 165 and then with Italian, you don't heat up your egg whites. You actually heat up the sugar and water until you get a very hot, like molten sugar mixture that you slowly pour into the egg whites as they're being whipped. Um, with that one, you don't really know the temperature of that you're getting the eggs to to know if it's safe, but it should be safe with the hot sugar. Um, it's just scary to me. Uh, with the whisk running really fast and hot sugar being poured uh, <laughs> to be safe with it. Um, yeah. But they pretty much come out with the same exact result. They're, it's just two different ways to make a meringue uh, frosting. And this really feels like light, fluffy marshmallow. Yeah, yeah, literally what it what it really is. And it's it's literally one of the best ones that you can get. And And if you can pull that off, especially as a new baker, and you present someone with the cake, even if it doesn't look the best, you are really surprised them with that taste because they just wouldn't expect that quality of buttercream to be used. Okay. So if you decide to go uh, Swiss or decide to go Italian and it's nice and fluffy, let's just talk about a ratio between eggs, sugar, and then butter. So people can start getting their heads around, you know, how much butter to add. Cause I, I can hear people asking themselves these questions like, like, what do you mean by that? And how much? Yeah. So uh, for, my recipe, I use a pound. It sounds like so much. I use a pound of butter. It's not much. <laughs> With, uh, it's not a lot. If you're talking about cake for like 10 people or eight people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not- oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Whenever I did content and see people see how much butter I have in a container, they're like, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I always use a pound of butter and about um, two cups of sugar or sometimes three. And then I use uh, six egg whites. And then that's what I used to, to mix up. So you just want to make sure that your, your whatever recipe you have. Yeah. Make sure you can get a solid meringue. And and that's enough to do one cake? Yeah, 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 it is. Yes, it is. Okay, I'm so, so about what I do. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> We're like a birthday cake. Well, yeah. When people are listening at home, they're like, I, I got a birthday coming up and, you know, it's like I I, I want to get my head right. Okay, so so um, so we six egg whites, right? A pound of butter and then two cups of sugar mm-hmm. developed into a Swiss meringue is enough to cover one cake. Yeah, that is enough to cover one cake. Fantastic. I love yeah. that. Now, what's your favorite flavor profile when it comes to putting a cake together? What do you like? I never like to do the same thing. So that's always going to be something I, especially uh, because I do content, you always want to do things differently. But I also find fun in mixing combinations of different flavors to come up with something. Um, I just did a bubblegum cake. It scared the internet. Uh, (laughs) But it wasn't bad. I I thought it was great. or I have a color series and, and I make a cake only using one color. So I correlate the color to a flavor. So green was mint. The pink was bubblegum. You know, it's a, it's a lot of things that I think really go with the experience that, like you said, you eat with your eyes. Yeah. It's kind of cool to like have a flavor that match what you saw with your eyes. Now the really beautiful, the, the all pink cake, all peach cake, all brown cake. Yeah. Nothing but purple. What does purple taste like? Oh, uh, that was, purple food color because that's before i thought about, <laughs> about oh, the flavor right <laughs> rhubarb it should have been yeah, right? rhubarb, but <laughs> yeah. okay so i want to go back to you know making the the swiss meringue thing so because i don't bake i don't have no idea what you guys are talking about but you you make the actual cake in sheets right and then you pull that out and then do you take that um swiss meringue and you put that in between the layers of cake is that the idea yeah that's the idea and then do you cover it with the Swiss meringue as well? Or is that like you get icing for that or fondant or something? Uh, so if I'm doing just a regular stacked up nice buttercream cake, that's it. Mm-hmm. I just use the frosting, stack it up and also coat it with uh, the Swiss meringue. Okay. But those character cakes like the minion or anything like that, I cover that with chocolate ganache. I need something sturdy um, that will set 
Uh, the buttercream just won't set. It'd be way too difficult and hard to try to shape a character when the frosting underneath is really soft. Um, so chocolate ganache is the way to go for that. Is it white chocolate or dark chocolate? Either. Okay, sure. I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. Either either works, but chocolate ganache is just regular chocolate ganache is going to set a lot better than the white chocolate. So you have like a hard shell on the outside, and then you put the 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 fondant sort of finish. That's that's when you start sculpting it, right? Right, right. And, okay. and it doesn't get it like you know rock hard chocolate, but it, it does it does set firm enough for you so that you can lay anything on top of it without worrying about your hand pressing into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it, it's always the best thing to to do before I add fondant or modeling chocolate. I got to ask, which of your designs uh, gave you the hardest time creating? The bomb pot was tough. The gingerbread house was really tough as well. Any any cake that has sharp corners, yeah, it's, it's tough <laughs> to get to get in like frosting or, or ganache to just sit with sharp corners. That's always going to be one of the hardest things instead of like a curved cake because you can just use the the turntable to help you get those smooth edges. So the gingerbread cake, th th this is, is this gingerbread or is it not gingerbread? It's both. It's, it's, okay. <laughs> it's actually gingerbread cake layers and it looks like a gingerbread house, wow. but it's bonded on the outside. Yeah. I got to look this up. No, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. the sweet impact. Dot com. Yeah. Cake, <laughs> then go on cake designs. Like there's, I mean, how many got here? 20, 25. It's a bunch. How long did it take you to figure this stuff out? So this is what I'm saying. Like if you go from an IT profession, and then you just randomly one day go, hmm, I'm going to be a professional cake baker at like the highest <laughs> level. And then and then how do you go from zero to 60 being self-taught? Well, I was saying in the beginning with the science of it, even when it came to baking, I did so much research trying to figure out what it was that I needed to learn to actually yeah. bake. Mm -hmm. uh, I did the same thing with uh, the decorating on the outside. So and when it comes to like the ideas and what I make, I just things randomly pop up in my head. Uh, I mean, like the gingerbread cake, I thought that would be clever to like do a gingerbread cake, but it also looks like a gingerbread house. Like I, I like to do yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. Pumpkin spice Oreo cake. Yo. Yeah, I actually what? had pumpkin cream cheese filling. <laughs> S'more cake. Ooh. What's been your favorite one to make? Um, The Frankenstein. Yeah. Why? Wow. When I did the realistic face, because that was the very first time I ever tried it. And I, I think um, I don't ever try anything out before I do it. So it's whenever I make these videos, it's just that was my first time trying it. And it just really, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, do like you, this run. You're so. so gifted. I mean, you're, you're, you're so, you're so, I mean, I don't even know if I would do that. Honestly, I'd have, like we got to test this five times for making a video on it. Like, this is so great, man. Yes, but what happens when you do screw up? I mean, I imagine it happens like you've cut too much off or something falls. Like what what is there a is there a fix it? Is that part of the video? Is that part of the fun? Yeah, that's it is. It is part of the fun because okay. uh, I mean, I I post the blooper videos or if I mess up at any point, I keep them in my videos because it just makes it real. Like I I messed up and let's see how I can fix it. Everything is I've never had a cake that I couldn't fix. Yeah, it, it was either, you know, add more frosting or ganache or modeling chocolate. You'll work it out. And <laughs> I've pretty much done it. And I've, I've shown the process like this is where I messed up. Let's fix it. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. I, I want to know more about uh, the big nailed it baking challenge, uh, which is on Netflix, right? Yeah, on Netflix. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so it's a... The, just a basically a revision of what the original nailed it was, which mm -hmm. is bringing in bakers, having them attempt these really difficult cake designs, just seeing who could do the best. But in this version, we have 10 contestants, the same 10 contestants, but every episode we're teaching them new tips and new tricks of how to become a better baker. However, the one that just does not do the best has to go home that week. So they're all really trying their hardest to learn what me and the other culture is showing them what to do. But it's a fast-paced fast -paced competition. Sometimes they're not listening, but it's because there's so much going on, and I, I can understand that. But we definitely try our best to teach them everything they need to know to be successful. What's the prize? 100 grand, right? 100 grand. Yeah. What? That's What's more fun, being creative and making the cake or teaching other people how to do crazy 
cooking <laughs> techniques? I, I honestly, I love both. Um, yeah. I, I, of course, I do love being creative and, and getting to like just have fun in, in in the kitchen and just make something. Uh, but it is really nice to like teach someone, like especially if someone really wants to learn how to do something. It's always great to kind of like show them the steps to actually become successful at it. So I, mm. I did have a fun time with that just because they were so eager to learn. It, it really made it fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Robert. Tell everyone out there where they can find out more about you, where they can watch all your videos, see you on TV, everything. Yeah, so you can follow me pretty much on any social media platform at The Sweet Impact, or you can visit my website, uh, thesweetimpact.com, if you want to see any long-form videos or pictures of my work. Um, and then also, yeah, check out the Big Note at Baking Challenge on Netflix. It's streaming now. I want everyone to, to just check it out with open yeah. mind and, and, and you know, see how the experience that these bakers, you know, had in the moments and just being patient with them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we have to definitely be patient with them. Right. Well, listen, it was an absolute pleasure having you on, man. Great, great yeah. to get to know you and congrats on everything. Thank you. I love watching like talent just sort of pop up and you've got a big future ahead of you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Do you have a I'm quick question? Are forward. you planning on opening up like a shop anywhere? Or, like because I would buy your cakes? I'm I'm thinking about it now. You should actually. do it, man. You should do um, it. <laughs> Are you selling these cakes too for like big events? It looks like you got big sponsors too, right? Yeah, but I know I don't sell those. So anything that I make, all those cakes, I give them away locally. Oh yeah. You yeah. would blow up in Savannah. Yeah. Like you downtown Savannah in a big cake shop called Rush. Okay, yeah. I Rush. I, yeah, Highly yeah. recommend I endorse that idea, man. That's good. We're gonna put that <laughs> up the universe. Okay. You you're opening up a cake shop in Savannah, uh TBD. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it. It's gonna happen. That's right. Yeah. All right, Robert. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. You rock. Yes, thank you guys. All Take right, care. See you, bud. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I can't believe that. Like when you hear stories like Roberts, it's like I I should just start 
trying something new. Maybe I can be a host on some like maybe like glass blowing or like (laughs) knife making, you know, like guitars. You know what I mean? I'm going on tour next week and like headlining a band. Like, I mean, this went from zero to like a a hundred. And I mean, if you watch the stuff, like it takes a lot of years for somebody to like claw through and be able to have that much talent. So it's really interesting that he just like jumped into it and look at his, his stats. He's got 2.5 million subscribers on, on YouTube. Yeah. A half a million plus followers on Instagram, 2.7 million followers on TikTok. He is killing it. Totally. And it should be inspiring for all the listeners out there that like, it's never too late to just to start trying something new and doing something different. And who knows, it might not, you might not become the big, you know, YouTube star that Robert is, but you may be uh, find like the next thing that, you know, you, you love and gives you passion and, and brings you happiness, you know, it makes you happy. I think you got to do what makes you happy. Money will follow. Yeah. If you love it. Just jump in and just do it. I know a lot of folks that are kind of in that prosumer space where mm-hmm. they're a, an amazing home cook, totally capable of writing 125 recipes for a cookbook, sold their first cookbook. And now they're doing it. And I got to tell you, like, it's really, really inspiring. A lot of people uh, jumped into that during the pandemic. Totally. They just said like, F it. I'm, 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 this is my new life. And, and, you know, and then you you take a look at what Robert's doing and you could totally crush it. Yeah. Very inspiring. Well, thanks everyone for listening to two dudes in a kitchen. Uh, We'll be back again next week. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at two dudes in a kitchen, like, and subscribe the Apple store, the play store or Spotify, wherever. And uh, also leave us comments on um, the reviews that always helps with the algorithm as well. I'm going to go become um, a famous baker. Now go make a birthday cake. I think that that's, that's the good message for everybody. Go make a birthday cake. It's fun. That's what I'm going to go do. I can do that now. You'll love it. Yeah. There you go. All right. See you guys. See you next week. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at two dudes in a kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. (laughs) We'll take that. And we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.